And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And uh, tonight, uh, while I'm recording this, uh, almost at 1 a.m. on Tuesday morning, so you know Monday night slash Tuesday morning, uh, Lakers Twitter is in shambles. If you know, you know. But I think if, if you have Twitter, you've probably seen it. Uh, that There's been a lot of drama going on and a lot of extracurricular activities. So I'm not really going to get into that. Maybe I'll touch on it in the Q&A portion of this podcast. But there's actually a game that was played on Monday night between the Lakers and the Jazz, uh, the second game of the, the two-game uh, baseball series between LA and Utah. Lakers won the first one in overtime on Saturday, uh, and they did not win this game. Well, on spoiler alert, uh, the, the Jazz were not fully healthy, still missing Donovan Mitchell, but Rudy Gobert was back in the lineup. Mike Conley was back in the lineup. Derek Favors was back in the lineup. And that version of the Jazz, uh, you know, still missing a star, but closer to being whole than the Lakers are, uh, just was too much for LA to handle. You know, they got downhill at will, scored 52 points in the paint, hit 15 threes, uh, you know, had a 29 assists, really just high level stuff from the Jazz. Uh, basically, I mean, this is how Utah plays. They, they spread you out with, with a bunch of shooters and they will have, they attack you in different ways because, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson are going to attack you differently than Joe Ingles and Mike Conley. Like those guys are attacking to play make, right? Mike Conley had 14 points, but he also had 10 assists. Uh, Joe Ingles had 21 points, but he also had five assists. And like those guys, those guys are looking to make the correct basketball play. Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson are just attacking you to get buckets, and they're really good at it. I mean, Jordan Clarkson was their, their leading scorer. But just the way Utah plays and, and with spreading you out and then now adding in Gobert and Favors takes away the five-out offense element. But it's not fully gone because those guys are setting such high screens. And if, if they're setting screens on the sideline, like sometimes they're kind of hanging back behind the play, so it puts the center in an interesting spot. And I, I just – I think Utah, you know – I, I just think they're they're an interesting matchup for the Lakers because I think like I've actually more confidence in their offense against the Lakers than I do their defense. I, I do think just they don't have great matchups for LeBron and AD, and you know I, I think Rudy Gobert is a good matchup in terms of like having a rim protector. But when you're actually putting guys on LeBron and AD, I don't I just don't love their defensive matchups. But offensively. I do think they can hang with the Lakers. I, I just think, like, when, when, Utah is one of these teams that is very polarizing where some people are really high on them, some people are really low on them. I do see that the 2014 Spurs element to the offense of just always making the right read, always making the extra pass. Uh, I do think that gets a little trickier in the playoffs. Uh, I do think that they don't have the same level of top-end talent that those Spurs teams had. Like, I, I just don't, view you know even though that team was a little bit older 
I just, you know, they had done it before. They'd done it multiple times before. They, they'd won championships before, made the finals before. They had that infrastructure. And then they had this young star in Kawhi Leonard who was ascending. And I, I just, it's it's apples and oranges. You, you can't really compare them. You know, that's been a comparison that's been kind of thrown out with this Jazz team. So that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. Uh, I, I just, I think they're interesting. I, I think they're good. You know, I, I um, for, for, for all that, I still might put them as like the fourth best team in the West. I, I would put the Lakers and the Clippers ahead of them for sure. And I'm really split between them and Utah for that third spot. But I, I'm really impressed with, with Utah, with, with what I've seen, uh, you know, across the three matchups against the Lakers this season. And the Lakers haven't really been whole for any of the three matchups. You know, the, the first one, they're missing AD. Uh, th- this last one, they were... You know, these last two, they've been missing LeBron and AD. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not, we, we don't really have a, a, a full picture of what a Lakers Jazz matchup even looks like. Uh, and then, you know, Donovan Mitchell missed the, these last two as well. So I, I'm fascinated by this, though, because, you know, as things stand with the loss, the Lakers are now two and a half games behind the Nuggets, meaning that they're not locked into the five seed. They could still technically drop, honestly. Um, but, it is looking like most likely they're probably going to be in that four or five matchup and most likely the five seed, but, but there's still a chance they pass Denver depending on how Denver plays out the rest of their season. Uh, you know, they haven't really tailed off yet, but I, I think it's possible within the last 10, 12 games or so. Uh, so, I mean, these two teams could be on a collision course to meet in the second round. Uh, now Utah has their own issues with, you know, they might not be the one seed Phoenix is, is, you know, nipping, um, at their heels and, and is only a game back in the loss column. So Utah is going to have to, to not win out, but have a really good record closing the season to maintain the one seed. So there's a chance Phoenix ends up as the one seed and they end up playing the Lakers in the second round. But as things stand and as things have looked for the past few weeks, it looks like the Lakers and Jazz are going to match up in the second round. So that gave this matchup some extra weight for me. Um, now, I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, we're going to see a lot of minutes without LeBron or AD on the floor. So in some sense, like some of this was meaningless. There was no Donovan Mitchell, no LeBron, no AD. Uh, But I do think, you know, there were some interesting things. And I think the the Jazz's style of offense of, um, you know, redriving and and, and just the, the high pick and roll and the constant ball movement. Um, I, I do think it really tests the Lakers defense. Uh, you know, I, I think... Uh, again, that the, the Jazz, I have more confidence in the Jazz's offense than, than their defense against the Lakers. But um, for, from the Lakers side, uh, I, you know, THC had a career high 24 points. His shot looked so good tonight. Hit three threes, was eight of 13 overall. Just, you know, several step backs, really impressive stuff from THT. Uh, again, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you don't know what you're getting from him on a given night, but it has been more consistent recently and that i think is encouraging like thc is a better player now than he was on christmas and we we've seen that um, just with his patience his decision making his shot selection and his shot making and and you know just his confidence like it has grown tremendously throughout the season uh i would like to see some more consistency with him like that really is my only knock aside from just becoming a better shooter and, and a better and more focused off-ball defender uh but it's also hard for him to be consistent when his role is kind of shifting. You don't really know whose night it is on a given night. It is a by committee approach for the Lakers right now. So 
I think once LeBron and AD are back, he might be able to get into a more consistent role and he'll have, you know, we'll start to see what the rotation looks like, where he is in that pecking order. Is he the eighth man, ninth man, 10th man? Like we, we don't really have that answer yet. So that, that's the one thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to is kind of the rest of THT season once LeBron and AD are back. Uh, speaking of AD, AD is progressing. He has been doing on-court work. Frank Vogel said he put in some good work before the game. And there's a strong possibility he's back Thursday against Dallas. And, and if not Thursday, then then almost certainly Saturday against Dallas. So we should be seeing AD by the end of the week, which I think is the most important thing out of all this. Uh, Frank also said that LeBron has been doing light on-court work and he's progressing as well. So didn't update the timetable on LeBron, but I, I think that is encouraging. And that's really all you can ask for at this point if, if you're the Lakers. Like this season has not gone the way you wanted. You, you should have been healthier. You should have been contending for the one seed or two seed. You, you should have been in that mix. And you should have, at a minimum, had the continuity and, and chemistry and reps with your stars and your rotation guys. And you just don't have that now. You know, they're going to go into the postseason having this LeBron 80 core, you know, playing less than 40 games together. And, and that's that's really tough. You know, I, I off the top of my head, I, I can't remember a championship winning team that has had their two stars miss this amount of time in the same season. Uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just forgetting about a team, but off the top of my head, you know, if, if you really look through NBA history, I, I can't remember a situation where you're going to have something like, what, it's going to be like 60 plus games missed from LeBron and AD combined. Like, I, I don't, I, I can't remember a season where a, a team's two-star players missed that much time. So, it, you know, if the Lakers do win the championship this year, it is going to be an unprecedented situation uh, so at this point, you're just asking for LeBron and AD to return as healthy as possible, as quickly as possible, and and get some reps and get some momentum going to the playoffs. And um, you know, I, I think that that's all you can really ask for. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. To go back to the game, like I mean, I think the the only discouraging part for me was um, you know just how easily Utah got downhill and, and the 52 points in the paint and just the, the ease with which they scored at times because you know the one thing that has been consistent for the Lakers throughout this stretch with, LeBron, with you know with LeBron and AD in and out of the lineup has been their defense, right? And um you know, tonight I felt Rudy Gobert definitely outplayed Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell. Uh, you know, Drummond was three of 12, eight points, eight rebounds in 28 minutes. Just what was pretty awful tonight offensively. Um, you know, I think did, did some good things defensively, had two steals. Uh, I thought was active. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, but, but offensively, you know, missed a couple lobs, you know, fumbled them, wasn't able to finish them, uh, missed some point blank hook shots. And you know, I, th- I think part of that is Rudy Gobert. 
uh, even though Andre Drummond uh, denied that post game. Uh, Frank Vogel kind of almost, you know, kind of said that was the case that he just Rudy's a difference maker. You know, he's one of the best defenders in the league, and he's such a big guy that you know it makes sense that Drummond would arc his hook shots a little bit higher and, and try to finish around him instead of through him. Uh, but but Andre did, did not have a a good game, and that was something I was I was kind of you know initially looking to write off of, and and um, you know I, I think. Bill or Orem is going to be you know writing about it, so uh, I you know he, he's going to be covering sort of the center spot and in AD and stuff. So um, we kind of figured that out. But I, I was initially heading into the matchup, really interested in the the Drummond Gobert matchup, and it felt like a little bit of a dud because there, there was a lot of Drummond versus Favors, and they didn't always end up lining up against each other. I mean, of course, starting the, the first and third quarters, but I thought Gobert you know clearly outplayed Drummond. And Drummond didn't have the type of impact that you would have wanted him to have. Uh, and then Montrose Harrell only played 13 minutes. And, uh, you know, he had two points, two rebounds, one of four shooting, was blocked definitely twice, but might have been three times. And, and I, I just think what this showed to me, you know, from, from a, a macro perspective, from a potential series perspective, is this 100% is not a Montrose Harrell series. And and I, I knew that before the game because... I knew that before they, they played the Jazz because, you know, going back as someone who covered the Clippers, I saw Montrose Harrell really struggled against Rudy Gobert. It, it, you know, he's just too big for Montrose Harrell. And he actually struggles against Derek Favors as well. Uh, Derek Favors put up a 2020 uh, against the, the Clippers and predominantly Montrose Harrell uh, in a game last season that I was at in New Orleans. So, like, this is not a good Montrose Harrell matchup. Uh, and, and Bill actually asked, Frank, after the game, if Marcus Gasol, who uh, has been dealing with some uh, you know, injuries right now, Frank said, and, and he's a little bit banged up, so they're, they're letting him you know, rest and, and kind of recover right now. Uh, if Gasol were healthy and, and able to play, if this were a matchup that he would have helped? And Frank said, yeah, that he thinks this specific matchup is more, you know, a, a mark matchup, a, a matchup he could help them. And I, I agree. Like, I, I think, and really, if you look at it for the Lakers, it's an interesting situation where your first two rounds, if you play Denver, Utah, neither one of those is a, is a good Trez matchup. Like I would make the case, you just go Drummond Gasol in both of those matchups because you know maybe Trez can can, can go against a smaller unit of like Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap, but you do not want Trez on the court against Nikola Jokic or Rudy Gobert. Maybe Derek Favors, you could talk me into it, but again, I, I would to me that's a Marcus Gasol matchup. So I, I'm really you know. I'm interested in that because I, I I do think that the Lakers are going to see some of the limitations of Trez potentially in those first two rounds with how the, the bracket is shaking up. Because really, if you look at like the, the, the worst matchups for Trez of the potential playoff teams are probably Denver and Utah. Like I, I, I don't, I don't see another, like it's not the Clippers. It's not Phoenix. It's not Dallas. Like, I, I mean, some of those, Matchups have their own issues for Trez in them, but really, like specifically, bigs that can give the Lakers trouble and and in turn give Trez trouble. Like it's Denver and Utah, and, and that's just interesting that those are probably their first two matchups in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, so so Trez only played 13 minutes, didn't even have a foul. Like it was not a foul trouble situation. It was purely a he just wasn't playing well against their size. Uh, but I think that's enough for the game because again, like I mean. 
like Lakers got to the free throw line 25 times. I thought that was good. Um, you know, only made 17 of them, shot 68%. Not as good, but uh, they, they were active in, in themselves going downhill, drawing fouls, uh, drawing, you know, contact. And, uh, you know, uh, 12 of 28 from the three-point line. Uh, 12 made threes is decent. You know, they shot 43%, which is good, but 28 attempts isn't good. Um, only 10 turnovers. Lakers have actually been taking care of the ball recently a little bit better, which I think has been encouraging. Uh, but again, th- this is not, it's hard to take away much from this entire stretch. And I think that's been the, the frustrating part of, of analyzing a lot of this and, and talking about it, just because we're not going to see lineups without LeBron and AD in the playoffs. Uh, or, or really, frankly, like once they're back, just, you know, you just don't see that. And if you do see it, the Lakers are in trouble because they're they're going to have a, a tough time beating a Denver or a Utah without LeBron or AD. So um, I, I think... I guess this is more about individual performances and, you know, Kuz had a good game. I think, you know, 17 points, eight of 13 shooting. Uh, Dennis, I thought a solid game, especially in the second half um, at kind of a quiet start. KCP continues to shoot the ball well, 15 points, five threes. So there are some encouraging things. I, I want to say like, you know, this Utah team is better than the Lakers. Um, you know, I think without, Don, Don, you know, without Donovan, even they're probably better. Um, than this version of the Lakers. And so this isn't a bad loss, um, you know, in, in my opinion. Uh, but I think some of the the encouraging trends from this are getting to the free throw line, taking care of the ball, THT's career night, uh, some of the shooting from from KCP, from Kuz, uh, from Dennis. Like th- there are some, some positive trends here. Uh, but I, I do think that this is, in my opinion, a, a matchup more geared towards Anthony Davis at the five, Marcus Gasol at the five, and maybe not as much Andre Drummond and, and Montrez Harrell. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply let's get into the open forum section i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> uh so many questions about uh vivian and uh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna stay out of that one uh just because i i, I don't like to comment on situations until i know the in, first off i don't even know the full story I, i've seen bits and pieces of it second off like i, I think we're still in the process of, of figuring out the full story so i just I don't want to speculate. I don't want to muddy the water any muddier than it is. But um, I did ask if anybody had questions on Twitter, and I got uh, something like forty something quote tweets uh, about this situation, and um, you know, hundreds of replies. And so, let's get into a couple of these. Um, Aaron Labhan. Uh, Asked, I'll help you out, Jovan. Drummond has been very up and down in performance. You think it's him trying to transition to a new team, or does he have genuine limitations? He clearly is not the advertised athletic lob threat like a McGee or Dwight. Uh, so this is a good question, Aaron. He is not. He, he's not the advertised athletic lob threat. Uh, he has struggled to connect on lobs. Uh, I think he's finished. If I'm, I might be mistaken, but I think he's finished one lob, and that was even like barely him like clearing the rim. Um, so. I mean, Drummond has his limitations. I've talked about it on this podcast. Uh, I do think 
it's 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 mainly his post game and and mainly him i think overthinking things around the basket where it when he gets deep position when he can seal when he just has to turn and, and fling in a, a little hook shot a little floater um or, or you know a dunk or a layup like he can make those plays really easily he is a uh, you know he's a physical marvel he doesn't have that same vertical athleticism that you're referring to but he's a tank i mean he's just like seeing him in person he almost looks like proportionally like, like it's almost like you combined lebron and trez and and just made that player bigger like you know he, he's got like sort of like the lebron physique but then he's also got like trez is is barrel chested and, and and he's he's just kind of a, like a, a thicker you know guy and, and you combine those two and, and then make that player taller and that's Andre Drummond like he's just just a big dude where, where I mean that's why he's in part why he's such a good rebounder is just he he's so strong uh that he can just move people out of the way and I, I think you you've seen that with some of his finishing uh so I would say it's a combination of you know right now the Lakers are are depleted offensively they they are not at their you know, full strength offensively, having LeBron in AD is going to make Andre Drummond's life so much easier. And it's going to create so many easing, uh, easy scoring and finishing opportunities for him. So I think it's a, it's a combination of, you know, a new team, a new system, relatively limited playmaking and passing around him and spacing around him. And, and, you know, also some of his limitations of he's not the best finisher, uh, he, he's not that vertical threat. He, he can overthink things in the post and, and have bad turnovers or uh, kind of fake himself out and, and kind of throw up a wild shot around the rim. Like th- those are his limitations. So I think it, it, it's a bit of everything, but I, I do think once LeBron and AD are back and, and they, they get some reps, they start to get him acclimated. I, I think it's going to look really good. You know, I, I think, I, again, I, I don't think he's he's ever going to necessarily hit the ceiling that some people thought and some people were rejecting out. But the Lakers don't need him to because they still have 80 at the five. You can still go to Mark or Trez. Like you, you have so many options there that Andre Drummond is not making or breaking the Lakers season, but he can certainly help. I think he has helped, and I think it's only going to get better. Um, another question. This one's from Bon uh, at Zangerstein. What do you think of Drummond's performance? A possible fit with AD coming back. Uh, how about Schroeder's upside now that he has time with Trez, Mark, and Drummond and best playoff matchups? Okay, so that's three questions in one. Drummond's performance, I, I just touched on it. I think he's been solid overall, uh, even though it's really just trimming out the post-ups. My only issue with him is the post-ups. Uh, I think defensively he's been solid for the most part. A little late sometimes on rotations and, and contests, but that's, again, fine, especially once you add AD. Uh, fit with AD, I think it's going to be good. You know, because AD's been playing with centers. He, you know, he's played with Mark. He's played with Trez, JaVale, Dwight. Like, the defensive fit, I think, is going to be fine, especially with what we've seen from Drummond. He's, he's actually impressed me on that end. The offensive fit is the only thing where Drummond is not a Dwight, JaVale, you know, hanging out in the dunker spot, just rolling, hanging out on the weak side. Like, he is a little bit more involved in the offense, be it screening at the top or, or the post-ups and hanging around the elbows. So I think it's just going to be figuring out, like he is more active and involved in the offense than any center AD has played with in LA. Uh, you know, certainly more than Dwight and JaVale, but I would say even more than Mark. Uh, and 
you know, Trez, I guess, would be the exception, and, and AD has played some with Trez, but they haven't played that many minutes. You know, it, it isn't that big of stints. I, I think AD is going to end up playing more with Drummond than he is with Trez. So I think figuring that out is going to be a, a very important thing. You know, I, I said that recently on a podcast on here that that to me is the most interesting thing with the AD uh, return. It's just how he fits with Drummond and, and just that whole situation. So that's something I have uh, on my on my radar. Uh, Schroeder's upside, I, I think he's just going to continue to get better, uh, you know, in terms of pick and roll chemistry. Uh, as you said, with, with Trez, Mark, and, and um, Andre, like, it, it just, it's just a reps thing. It's a continuity thing. It's a chemistry thing. Like, uh, the, the, the more he plays with those guys, but especially with AD, I mean, that's, that's the most important pick and roll partner for him. And I, I think we were starting to see some, uh, some growth and, and some progress in that uh, partnership. Uh, right before AD's injury, and then he's been out now, been out for over two months. So I'm excited to see that reemerge and, and see those two have their tango in the pick and roll again. Uh, and then last one, uh, best possible playoff matchup for me, I would say it's Portland. I think if you're looking at, if you're looking at realistically, it's probably Denver, the Clippers, Portland, and Dallas. Those are the four realistic first round playoff opponents for the Lakers. You know, I think the Lakers are going to be somewhere between four and six right now. I'd, I'd probably say four and five, uh, but you know, they, they do have a little bit of a range there. And depending on what happens with Denver and the Clippers in terms of the three, four battle, and then also Portland and Dallas in terms of the six, seven battle, but also potentially the four or five battle, depending on if, if the Lakers and, and Nuggets slide, or if Portland or Dallas goes on a winning streak or something to, to end the season, like, there's still a shuffling of the standings that could happen. So looking at those four teams, I personally think Portland is the weakest. Um, I, I just think Dallas, like I saw that movie last postseason, Luka Doncic uh, against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Pat Beverly, whatever the Clippers threw at him just was unstoppable, was the best player in that series for shut, like large stretches of it. And, and for that being his first postseason, I just think Luka is going to be at another level and frankly, a higher level than Dame. And for as good as Dame is, um, I think we've seen the Lakers, we saw the Lakers contain him last postseason. We've seen the Lakers contain him in the regular season. I think the Lakers have a blueprint to slow down and shut down Dame. And they do probably have more weapons around him this season. Uh, and, and But the defense is god-awful, you know, bottom two in the league right now. Um, it, it, and, you know, Nurkic can help that. But I just... I, I, I'm kind of out on Portland and, and now, uh, you know, my, my colleague, Jason Quick uh, of The Athletic, you're reporting that Terry Stotts could be on the hot seat after the season, depending on how things go. Like, I just think that's that's kind of a weird situation right now. And, and I would take Portland over Dallas, despite Dallas's inconsistency. I just think Dallas has a, a higher ceiling than Portland does. And then Denver. You could maybe talk me into Denver, but I just think, again, Jokic is, is probably going to win the MVP. He, he's playing at a crazy level. Um, even without Murray, like they have a lot of size and length and, and some athleticism in the front court that I think can match the Lakers to an extent. Um, so, you know, I would not pick Denver to win a You know, I'm not, I'm not picking anybody to win a series against the Lakers, but I, I just think Denver could maybe win a game like, I, I think Denver could, could win a game and maybe even win two games. Whereas, like, Portland, I think it's probably just getting swept. 
you know, Dallas is, is probably getting swept. Maybe, maybe wins. And I don't know, maybe Denver can't even win two games. Maybe that's also a sweep. But I, I just, I almost go by sometimes just best player in the playoffs. And, and for me, it's, I'd go Jokic, then Doncic, then Dame. And, and so that would make me want to play Portland. And then, of course, the Clippers is probably the team I'd least want to play if I'm the Lakers. Uh, you, you know, play them in the conference finals, but don't play them in the first round. So those are my thoughts on, on the playoff matchups. Uh, you'd of course love to play like Golden State or, or Memphis or, or you know the eight seed basically, but that's not you know that's not happening. So um, I, I think for the Lakers right now, Portland is probably their best realistic matchup. Uh, like you know the, the small guards aren't beating LeBron in AD. I, I just don't see it. So, uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J O V A N B U H A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're listening right now, The Athletic. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com or subscribe off of my social media, uh, off of one of my stories. That would help me out and be much appreciated. Thank you guys as always. I'm Yovan Buha, the real Yovan Buha, and thank you guys for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.